Hi there, welcome to a new episode of What Are You Going To Do With That? The podcast of the Minerva Center for the Rule of Law under extreme conditions at the University of Haifa. I am Dani, I'm a PhD candidate, and today I'm chatting with Dr. Hanna Saliba Salman. I'm going to introduce her to you right after inviting you to check out our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There, you will learn more about our guests and their research. We'd love to get some feedback from you as well, so please like, comment, and share. And now, back to our guest, Dr. Hanna Saliba Salman. Hanna is originally from Nazareth and started her academic path with a BA in English Language and Literature and Literature and Educational Counseling at the University of Haifa. Upon completion, she continued with an MA in the same field, for which she wrote a thesis on the transformation of the detective genre from positivism to modernism and postmodernism. Hannah then moved on to get a teaching certificate in English, English language for high school education, also at the University of Haifa, but after that went back to English language and literature and pursued a PhD, which she has completed in 2017. Her dissertation focused on detective plots since the 1950s and reveal the systematic decentralization of political power to the social periphery and exclusion of different minorities. A very timely topic, I'd say, especially in light of today's Black Lives Matter demonstrations that we've seen globally. Hannah has held academic positions, including adjunct lecturer at the Haifa Center for German and European Studies, as well as the Department of English Language and Literature at the University of Haifa. Currently, Dr. Hanna Saliba Salman holds a postdoc position at the Kreitman School for Advanced Graduate Studies at the Ben Gurion University of the Negev in Beersheba. There, she is also an adjunct lecturer at the Department of Foreign Literatures and Linguistics. She also works, actually for a while already, at the Arab Academic Arab College for Education in Israel, located in Haifa. Next to her article publications, Hannah managed to land a book contract about her research topic, which I can't wait to hear more about. Okay. And then last but not least, Hannah won a scholarship for outstanding female Arab researchers from the Otto Werner Scholarship Program, which is part of the German Friends Association and the Jewish Arab Center at the University of Haifa. That's how she became a member of the Jewish Arab Community of Scholars. Hannah was an associate researcher at the Jewish Arab Center, where she organized and participated in workshops for the advancements of female Arab scholars in Israeli academia. So welcome, Hannah. I'm glad that you were interested in joining us for an episode on what are you going to do with that. And again, you're a first of a kind for us, because we haven't had a guest from the field of literature yet, and I can't wait to hear more about it. Mm -hmm. Before I really get started with some questions, I'm going to pour myself my signature drink, Amaretto. What did you bring with you today? Uh, a rose wine. Okay. Uh, sol fa sol. Oh, nice. It sounds very summery. <laughs> yeah. And icy. <laughs> yeah, with this weather, that's definitely nice. All right. I got mine ready. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Now I can start with a few short questions. Are you ready? Ready. Great. What is the first thing you do in the morning? The first thing I do in the morning is pray. I'm a devout Christian uh, believer. 
I uh, rediscovered uh, the presence of God in my world after my friend uh, passed away. May she rest in peace. Her name is Mona. And I, um, I think that uh, uh, God's presence in my life uh, gives uh, meaning uh, to what I do. Uh, and uh, it really strengthens me uh, spiritually and uh, makes me accept others, uh, accept, um, you know, all the changes that happen in this world with openness and with love. I'm very sorry to hear about your friend, but I'm glad to hear that something good has come out of it for you and that you found more meaning in it. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. I hope the next one is then a bit of a less serious question, which is what's your favorite work at lunch, do you bring food from home or do you buy something on campus, for example? Uh, no, very often I actually prepare something uh, from home and uh, I'm a veggie. Uh, so I have to prepare in advance uh, for my lunch breaks uh, and I have to be to have a lot of fruit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I prepare things from home. I saw that you have cherries with you right now. I mean, uh, these are the disadvantages of technology. I would have shared one with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, shame, because it's my favorite. Yeah, nice red cherries. Okay, what is something that you're looking forward to in the near future? I know it's difficult to plan things these days, but what's on your mind? Well, I have actually a lot going on in my life recently uh, because, you know, as you've mentioned already, uh, my postdoctoral appointment, uh, you know, started only in March uh, 2020. Uh, and uh, so I'm launching a new research, but uh, I have to also to complete editing my current book. These are the two main things that I'm working on uh, at the moment. And I'm looking forward to finish, um, you know, uh, or to complete the publication of my book. All right. Hopefully that will go well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Where would you build your dream house if money wasn't an issue? Wow. That was a tough question. <laughs> Sometimes the short ones are the hardest. I mean, I think uh, I, would go I would certainly love to live in Haifa. Okay, I, I like um, everything about it. Uh, the fact that it's multicultural. Uh, I like the beach. And um, I would say if, if I could have, uh, you know, if I could afford it, I would certainly buy a house in, uh, in Haifa. Something on top of the mountain with an amazing view. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's also, you know, chilly and uh, nice, even in the hot summer. Yeah, it's great. Oh, good to hear that you like my hometown. <laughs> Which detective book should really be made into a movie already? Oh, uh, well, I, I was thinking about um, uh, the Yiddish Policemen's Union. Okay. Uh, and I really look forward that it would be, uh, would be turned into a movie. Uh, it's by uh, uh, Michael Shaban, and it's about an Alaskan uh, detective who roams uh, the frozen streets of Alaska uh, in order to detect uh, the murder of uh, someone called uh, Emmanuel Lasker. And there, of course, he takes us into a journey uh, to his, you know, in, the, in, his, uh, in um, uh, bringing to light uh, his Yiddish culture. So we have the background of Alaska, which should already be a good movie then. So this sounds like a good idea. Someone has to pick this up. All right. 
Thanks for that. Um, I'm now ready to learn more about your academic journey a little bit. So let's start at the beginning. You started a BA in English Literature and Educational Counseling. Was it your original plan to become an English teacher? Uh, I didn't want to become an English teacher, actually. Uh, I always, um, you know, a, wanted to become a, a critic. A and I was also interested in uh, psychology. Uh, but uh, so I wanted something that would integrate, um, uh, you know, uh, psychological counseling uh, with uh, a reading or, uh, you know, of novels and fiction. So this is why I uh, chose my um, uh, two tracks. Uh, you know, I joined uh, the Department of English Language and Literature at the University of Haifa and was also a student uh, at the educational department. All right, and you've actually started being an English teacher from an early stage on, right? Because you've been teaching English at the high, at the high school of Terra Santa College in Nazareth for about 10 years in total, almost. Did you enjoy that, though? Or why did you then choose to teach anyway, if that was not really your plan? Uh, well, yes, of course. I mean, uh, first of all, I needed uh, a financial support, uh, I mean. Uh, and uh, very soon I found that I discovered the teacher in me. So uh, it's not that it was uh, so alien uh, from my uh, nature. Uh, and so I also liked to work with teenagers. And I felt that uh, I was easily attached to them. And especially that they come from uh, different parts uh, of uh, the Arab society. They were Muslims and Christians. So I liked uh, really to uh, establish uh, some kind of a, an understanding of a dialogue uh, between these different uh, groups that are often at tension in Arab towns in Israel. Okay, so there you go. You had the psychology behind it. You found the teacher in yourself. You managed to combine it with English. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, so if you were in the right place um, at this, with teaching at this school, when did you decide to continue with an MA and to write a thesis? Uh, it wasn't a, a, uh, a hard... Actually, I did it right afterwards. I mean, after, uh, upon the completion of my BA, I already um, had my plans uh, for an MA. I wasn't planning for uh, doing uh, counseling, but I got a scholarship, which I turned down. I got a full-time uh, scholarship for an MA uh, in counseling, but I decided that literature is what I want to do. And, uh, and so I knew it, and I'm, st and I'm convinced, you know, if I would go back, I would do the same thing. I would choose the same track. So you have to follow your heart in this case, I suppose. <laughs> it does sound like a good story. Okay, so now you've immediately went on with your MA following the BA, knowing that literature is what you wanted to keep studying. Yeah. Um, when did you decide the specific topic? You've been looking into marginalized detective. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about and something about the focus on minorities in literature that you've studied? Well, uh, my romance with detective fiction uh, goes back and dates back uh, to my uh, second uh, year of studies uh, at the uh, English department. When I've taken a course uh, with um, my advisor, MA advisor and PhD advisor, uh, Dr. Bennett Kravitz, 
uh, on detective fiction. And, you know, I was immediately intrigued uh, in the genre, in the intellectual puzzle. And uh, I knew uh, that, you know, if I would do uh, an MA research, it's going to be in this uh, area, in this field of, uh, you know, uh, of uh, studies. And uh, I actually started doing uh, a generic, uh, you know, my research was on the generic transformation of the detective genre. So it wasn't uh, aimed at uh, the marginalized vantage point. Uh, that was uh, later when I um, completed uh, my MA thesis. I was I noticed the marginalized twist in detective fiction that uh, came to light since the 1950s, uh, and so I wanted uh, to do that because you know I'm also a minority in Israel, and so uh, this is why I wanted uh, to do it. Can I ask if this study and the supervisor that you chose um, was already existent at the University of Haifa then, or were you the first one to initiate something like this? Well, you know, for long, uh, for long, I can tell you that for long, uh, you know, uh, detective fiction has been uh, underestimated. It's considered to be popular culture. And most students, and for the sake of their academic career, they would not think of uh, dealing with a popular genre. But I didn't really think about that. I wanted to, uh, I think that they were not doing justice to uh, this long tradition uh, of detectives. And I thought that I'm going to give it its uh, important and its utmost significance. Okay, sounds like a great mission. <laughs> and it worked out so far with the dissertation uh, and the upcoming book. Don't you feel like a detective every now and then as a researcher? I de definitely do. <laughs> Yeah, set. I mean, we are, uh, uh, you know, uh, detectives in the areas that we've studied, uh, and and so uh, there is a lot to learn uh, from uh, the fictional detective about our nature and about fiction as well. Very interesting. Now, while we're talking about minorities, I'd like to know more about the Jewish Arab Center that I've talked about in your introduction. You received a scholarship from them from for being an outstanding female Arab researcher. But what does this center do and what does it provide for? Did it also help you uh, to excel as a member of a minority and as a researcher? Uh, I certainly believe it did. I mean, I became acquainted with the Jewish Arab Center only after applying for the Werner Otto Scholarship uh, and when I became a member. And then I felt that it's not like any other center. Uh, because it was like my home uh, in uh, the university. It provided me with emotional support, not to mention, of course, also the financial support uh, that is always uh, necessary for a student, a young uh, researcher. But it also uh, provided us with the opportunity to voice our research to other uh, you know, colleagues, uh, to uh, other students, uh, also to uh, more advanced uh, researchers. And so this will certainly uh, help widen your uh, perspective about what's going on in the academia. Uh, and uh, I would like also to mention uh, their networking program, uh, which is uh, worth, which is always worth mentioning. I mean, because they tried uh, to network us with uh, other Arab researchers uh, in the field. You know, and it's always important to look at someone who's ahead of you. 
And was that then particularly with someone who was inside of Israel or was this a global network? Uh, no, well, uh, we were basically locals. I mean, uh, the network uh, connects uh, Arab scholars within Israel, scholars that you would not meet elsewhere. Uh, because we don't have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, panels uh, or conferences in the Arab sector, especially if we're talking about literature and arts. Uh, so that is a very important platform. Would you recommend any other students currently to uh, apply for scholarship or to become part of this network? And what does it take? Uh, I would certainly do, but you have to be a member of the Werner Otto community uh, in order to be part of this network. Uh, uh, but I will certainly recommend uh, other young students at the University of Haifa uh, to apply uh, for uh, the scholarships that are provided by uh, the Jewish Arab Center. All right, so let's get out there and do that. <laughs> All right, um, following everything you've done in Haifa, just last year you've started a new phase in your academic career. You started a postdoc position and left Haifa for Ben-Gurion University in Beersheba. Why don't you tell me a bit about your current research project? Yeah, first I would like to say a word on my experience uh, at Ben-Gurion. I mean, uh, prior to my appointment in March 2020, when COVID-19 was already in act, I was an adjunct uh, lecturer at the English department at uh, Ben-Gurion uh, University. And it actually provided me with a wider intellectual landscape. And I was um, uh, so much interested and I enjoyed uh, the, um, you know, to, to get in contact with other communities in Israel, uh, like the Bedouin uh, community and also other students uh, from the center. Now, as for my postdoctoral uh, research, uh, you know, I um, received the scholarship from the Kreitman uh, School of Advanced Graduate Studies, and it's uh, supervised by uh, Ephraim Zecher. It deals with uh, the meta-narrative of uh, memory uh, conundrum or memory disorders, and especially about its transformation uh, from an escapist mode to, um, to bravely encounter it. So it's entitled like this. Uh, the meta-narrative of memory conundrum uh, from escapism to a brave encounter. It talks about uh, the ubiquity of the conceit of uh, memory disorders in uh, multidisciplinary fields, like in film, uh, in uh, literature, uh, in historical studies, and also in theoretical studies that um, very often, uh, you know, that this conceit of memory disorder very often parodies, you know, the dynamics of uh, postmodern culture in its splitting of temporality, in uh, the fragmentation of the individual subject, and the effect it has in harming uh, our memories. Well, it sounds, for someone who's not very familiar with the topic, that movies that have recently come out, such as Inception, or uh, what is that movie with space, what was it called again, with the turning, uh, I have to look it up, I don't remember, but there's this other movie where people go to space and then time uh, doesn't match, things go backwards and forward, and people have a memory of something that maybe wasn't really there, 
Um, and it sounds very interesting. That's just what I wanted to add. <laughs> I'm focused on the publications that have been uh, to light over the last two decades. Okay, so yes, you're right. I mean, it's becoming, uh, it's mushrooming over the last 20 years. Uh, so no, no wonder that you are mentioning several films that are becoming popular. And you're looking at the overlap of uh, literature and movies now? Uh, at the moment, uh, I mean, I published an article, uh, you know, uh, trying to look at this, um, uh, you know, a interchange uh, between memory and culture uh, in Paul Auster's Man in the Dark. And uh, I'm looking uh, at, uh, yes, as you mentioned, the cinematic um, uh, genre in order to investigate and explore this phenomena further, because I suggest that there is a cultural memory conundrum. And what does that mean? I actually um, uh, tried to explain uh, before that uh, what we experience on a daily basis, uh, being part of different, uh, you know, dimensions, uh, you know, is by nature very fragmenting. It tries to break time linearity. And so this echoes, uh, okay, the state of a memory disorder. All right. Interesting. When are you supposed to be done with this project at Ben-Gurion? February 2021. Okay, so you have a bit more time, but not too much. And in the meantime, you're also writing a book, right? Another step in your career is landing a book contract. Do you have a title for the manuscript yet? And when is that due? Uh, so my book uh, manuscript entitled Lone Wolves, uh, Marginalized Detectives in a Postmodern Realm, uh, looks at the... Uh, shifting of political interest uh, from mainstream culture uh, to marginalized subjectivities. In this book, I work on and I focus on three subgroups, ethnic, gender, and mentally disordered figures that try to achieve a sense of justice in spite of the intricate uh, realities that they uh, are born into. And very often they fail to establish their sense of uh, what is right and what is wrong and the truth, yet uh, they succeed to discover uh, their inner self. And very often they uh, try to detect uh, the projected other within themselves. And having done that, when it is released... Uh, so they succeed uh, to be more liberal uh, and in their views. Okay. And do you know yet when you're supposed to hand it in or when it's supposed to be published? I know when I have to hand it in. <laughs> so it's uh, this uh, September. This September. Okay, so the date is coming up soon. Yes. So... How did you manage to get a contract and what is this experience of writing a book like? Uh, well, the story behind the contract was no less interesting uh, because uh, I went uh, for an international conference or a regional conference in uh, North Carolina uh, uh, organized in Wilmington, uh, organized by uh, the Popular Culture Association in the South and the American uh, Culture Association in the South. Uh, and there, um, you know, I gave a paper back then on the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. And uh, I was comparing it to the classical story uh, by uh, Arthur Conan Doyle called uh, Silver Blaze. Uh, 
And there I had the opportunity of meeting one of the editors that work at McFarland and a company, and he was interested in my, uh, back then it was my dissertation. And they say that uh, they also work uh, with publishing dissertations. So that's when I submitted uh, the proposal and it was accepted. Great. Can I ask how long your dissertation was? It wasn't that long. It was about 200 pages. Okay. So you just had to adapt it to a more easily reading book or did you totally change the product? Unfortunately, I had to cut half the work uh, because, uh, you know, the company works with um, either literary genre or cinematic releases. And I, my study looked at both uh, cinema and fiction. So I had to cut the entire part that deals with cinema. Okay. And this also explains why you're now in Ben-Gurion also looking into a movie. Uh, at first, I thought it was mostly focused on literature uh, and only books. Yeah, you're okay. obviously right. I mean, uh, because it's I, I, this is how I became uh, acquainted uh, with the memory conundrum. Uh, some of the detectives I uh, looked at in cinema, like in the film Memento, for example, or Insomnia, they suffered uh, from a mental condition. And the more I uh, searched, the more I found uh, narratives on uh, memory di uh, disruption uh, in other genres that are not detective. All right, cool. Uh, and then I've actually already come to our last question, which is, what is your next project? And honestly, what are you going to do with that? My next project, you mean after I'm done with memory disorders? Will you ever be done? Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I intended this proposal on memory disorders to be a full-length monograph. But I was appointed for a postdoc only for one year, which means I will not uh, be able to publish, you know, or to finish or to complete a book by that time. And so uh, what I look forward uh, to doing is uh, to continue and to extend my research to include uh, other areas like historical studies that reflect upon uh, memory, okay? Uh, so that a, there was a historian who uh, suggested that we suffer from a cultural dementia, okay? There were theories that describe our world and culture as being schizophrenic, so this is, you know, becoming a very ubiquitous conceit that worth looking into. Okay, so something you would like to continue with. Would you try and apply for another postdoc position when you're done with this one? Well, certainly I would like to, but uh, my experience, uh, you know, in applying for postdoc has been very challenging. Uh, I mean, I've, after completing my dissertation in 2017, I applied for many postdocs, and it has taken me a lot of strength, emotional as well as intellectual, to accept uh, the turning downs, of, you know, when your application is denied. This is also, I, uh, you know, the opportunity to thank uh, Professor uh, Ephraim Zecher for, uh, you know, his interest in, my, in what I do and for offering me this uh, opportunity. But I will certainly try. I think you should. I've heard this before, that it's very difficult the further you get into academia to actually land the position, especially the one that you really, really wanted, uh, simply because there's so much competition. And what I've learned from 
other guests that I've had so far is that you shouldn't take it personally mm. and you got to keep soldiering on. Would you give our listeners some tips on how you managed to soldier on? Well, yeah, just a word on your remark. Uh, I just want to say that it's true that there is a lot of competition going on in, uh, you know, in getting a or earning a postdoctoral uh, position, uh, but it's particularly challenging for a minority uh, individual uh, because you're not uh, connected and uh, because you, you you don't always uh, get the chance to hear about different and various uh, postdocs. And it has taken me a lot of time to learn how to apply for a postdoc, which could have been a time that could have been saved if I had, uh, you know, a person that uh, applied and was accepted. Uh, so uh, despite the scarcity of sources, okay, or of resources, I think that it is also doubly hard for a someone from the periphery to get and earn a postdoctoral uh, position and an academic position. Uh, but I advise young researchers, especially if they are Arabs and especially if they are women or uh, belong to other minority groups, is to keep the faith, okay? And uh, this is what I also uh, learn uh, from the detectives I do my research on. So despite the conspiracy, okay, that you might uh, feel surrounding you, you have to think about doing the things you believe in, regardless of the consequences. Um, what do you think, uh, or who do you think, can actually change the way that it is so hard for minorities in Israel to enter academia, also at higher levels? Could it be more of a higher level government who is responsible for this? Or should it also be the academic institutions such as the universities? I think that it would be uh, important uh, to bring this issue to the national level and be discussed uh, at the governmental level. Uh, because we don't, I don't think that we have enough uh, a representation uh, for uh, Arab researchers in the Israeli academia. And it's very important. Uh, because uh, this is an institution uh, for for the production of knowledge and it, it, it interferes with uh, how the person perceives the world. Uh, and so the, for the sake of multiculturalism, uh, it should be more equal. Uh, and I think that at the same time, uh, universities uh, should also care to make more investments, uh, financial uh, investments, especially in postdoctoral uh, Arab students, okay, because we have different fundings uh, going on for MA and PhD levels, but the more you delve into the academia, the less chances you have to survive. And so uh, something should be done uh, in that uh, position, okay, or at that level. Okay, like some programs to connect the young researchers with the more global researchers in the field or to provide professional tools on how to apply for scholarships. So I think that a lot can be done in giving counselation to young researchers. So there's also definitely a component that can be taken over by institutions like universities. So I think even though I'm not a politician, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly what should be done uh, for, you know, within that area. But I think that 
there should be uh, more investments, okay, uh, in Arab uh, researchers, especially if they are women. All right, let's cheer to more Arab women in Israeli academia. I suppose we could say Saha? Yeah, Saha. Thank you. Okay. All right, so the question, what are you going to do with that, is a question that I get a lot. People ask me, why are you doing research in social sciences at all? Do you intend to pursue an academic career or do you want to go back to being a book critic? Uh, it's not a matter of either or, okay? Uh, I don't think that I would put it in this way. I mean, I, I know that uh, I'm interested in doing academic uh, research and uh, this is what I will continue doing uh, because this is what I can do. Uh, and I will try, uh, of course, to also uh, establish an academic uh, career, but this is also not within my reach. I mean, I'm trying uh, to apply for uh, different uh, uh, courses, uh, uh, for enroll to be enrolled at different universities, I get um, uh, you know short term uh, contracts, and I will continue to aspire uh, for a long term contract. All right, I'm wishing you the best of luck with that. Oh, thank you a lot. All right, then we've come to a last set of short questions. Okay, so the first short question is: What was the most important conference that you've been to? Uh, going to conferences um, has always been, uh, you know, exciting for me uh, because uh, I take it as an opportunity uh, for a cultural exchange, okay, and also to get to new, uh, to get to new, uh, to know new cultures and uh, meeting uh, people in uh, my field. But as I told you before, that uh, the conference that I attended in Wilmington, I think it was in two thousand fifteen. That was basically the most important one because it was a turning point in my life. I did not think about uh, writing a book, okay, or turning my dissertation into a book. And, you know, that was uh, an unforgettable opportunity. It seems like the people that I've been speaking to, at least the researchers, are very split about this question. Some people absolutely hate conferences and some people really love it. Yeah. I like it too, I have to say. You choose to go to conferences in a place where you're sure gonna meet um, uh, researchers that you're interested in getting to know, and uh, you know if you like also the country that you're going to, or you you know you you would like to learn about its culture, then that is an advantage. Exactly, that's how I feel too. All right, you've already mentioned something about um, having applied for scholarships. Uh, have you received one or? More. I've received the Werner Otto Scholarship uh, when I did uh, my uh, PhD, and uh, uh, recently I received a postdoctoral scholarship uh, at the Kreitman uh, School. Uh, and I had also other scholarships or fundings uh, for participation in uh, conferences, like uh, like uh, the last one I've been to was a symposium in uh, Jordan. Uh, run by the, the British Academy, and uh, it was um, a, a very, very you know significant symposium uh, because it uh, it was different in its nature, and uh, it has helped me talk about myself, okay, as an Arab Israeli scholar among a group of Arabs that I've uh, I couldn't meet elsewhere, uh, like uh, those that come from Lebanon 
or from Syria or from Iraq. And, and so that was also a good uh, funding a, and a cultural opportunity for me. So it was definitely worth going through the trouble of applying for. Yeah. Uh, and also that was the first time for me in Jordan. And so, uh, yes, it was worth it. Great. What do you consider to be your most important contribution to your field? I think that um, one of the major contributions is that I try to show that detective fiction is no uh, less significant uh, than what others would consider elite or uh, upper class uh, fiction. Uh, uh, so the popular genre should be more evaluated and the fact that it offers you the intellectual uh, landscape in order to study and to examine uh, politics of inclusion and exclusion in a society is only a proof uh, of its significance and importance. So uh, looking at the genre from a, a, such a sociopolitical perspective, I think is basically what I've added to this field. A very important contribution. Thank you. Who has impressed you most with what they have accomplished? Uh, I was um, impressed, uh, and I'm still, uh, uh, you know, I'm still am impressed by uh, my uh, MA and PhD advisor, Dr. Bennett Kravitz, uh, because of his uh, viewpoint uh, and his interest in um, topics that are always debatable and uh, esoteric in nature. And, uh, and I also, and I'm particularly proud uh, of uh, Dr. Bennett that he has uh, written recently a book about uh, his uh, experience with his father, whom he's taking care of at an old age. And then the last question is, how do you relax after a hard day of work? Well, I don't often get the, t uh, the chance to relax uh, because when I get back from work, I have to take care of my daughters uh, and they are very energetic. Uh, so uh, my chances of rest are, are almost dull until I uh, come to my bedtime. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, uh, uh, but I would say that contemplating over what I did uh, during the day helps me to calm down. Okay, so you take a moment for yourself to go over what happened that day. Yeah, I mean, in spite of all the efforts, I check if I managed to make someone smile or to cheer someone up. And this is what really uplifts me. Okay, sounds very rewarding. Yeah. Okay, thanks again, Hannah, for joining me today. You really gave me a different perspective of literature studies, and I can't wait to read your book when it's published. I also want to thank our listeners for following us on social media. If you have any questions or comments, find us by searching What Are You Going To Do With That? Another episode is coming out next week on Thursday. Actually, I also noticed that we weren't able to talk about the Haifa Center for German and European Studies, where I'm getting my scholarship from, and you've also been affiliated with it, right? Yeah. How did you get to the center? Well, it was, um, I was so much interested by the programs uh, and the conferences that they held and they posted every once in a while at campus. 
Uh, and this is how I became to know the Haifa Center for German and European Studies. And I remember that uh, once I've been you know, attending a conference and I had the chance to meet Professor Eli uh, Salzberger, I applied for uh, working at uh, the center and to give a course on uh, feminism. Uh, because it might, you know, it's, it offers an intersection between literature and politics. And this is uh, how I joined uh, the center for one semester. <laughs>